0: on the Apple Podcast app. Morning, Tom. Hello, Ben. How are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, Ronnie's not with us today. He's um, not feeling great, so I'm going to cover for him for the next week or so, but he should be back in January. Lacuna Jay, Lacuna Jay. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, I am going to talk today about Wood Key. Oh, yeah, lovely. And the, main, the reason for this is because uh, Willie Henry, the indefatigable Willie Henry, has produced yet another book in a big, long string of local histories that he has produced over the years. And this one is just called Wood Key, Its Origins uh, and Its Ancient Heritage, really. Yeah. Now, Wood Key, we know today as a kind of an open space, <laughs> but. Uh, <clears throat> In fact, if we go back to medieval times, Galway, the city was known as Streamstown uh, because that's what it was. A whole series of the the river was all divided up into uh, different rivulets and streams running through Galway. And in fact, (laughs) the the area we know as Wood Quay in medieval times, it was just it was simply three islands. The largest of these was called St. Stephen's Island. Island, Sorry. That's the place which is now occupied by Courthouse Square. Uh, The Franciscans had built their abbey there, the first abbey in 1296. Just think of that. That's a long, long time ago. And that island was linked to Abbey Gate Street by a bridge. Some people referred to it as well as Ship Island. The area from the commercial boat club near Steamer's Quay, as far as Air Street, that was occupied by two other islands. One of them was known as Horse Island or Ilyan and There was no name on the other. But the place name Ilion Nagapal was still being used up to 1905. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> gradually, they, they did a very major uh, job on the river in the immediately post famine times they built uh, well they first of all cut out a lot of the streams they banked the river on both sides and made it like a funnel instead of a whole lot of little streams running through the city they mm. funneled the river into as we know it today they built up these remarkable banks of the river and <clears throat> They built the canal at the same time. They built the Cladder Basin. They built Steamer's Quay in Wood Quay. And that was the beginnings of it. Uh, then they started to reclaim the land. So some uh, the, the, the actual water, the river, came right up to the door of where Max Wiggins is today. Uh, <clears throat> It was. It's quite remarkable, yeah. and a huge amount of the traffic in Woodkey was river and lake traffic. <clears throat> it was people from the hinterland, from the Mycullen, Headford areas, right up to Manbridge, coming to Galway with their goods and wares and uh, selling and so on. And so, Woodkey became a kind of a marketplace. It gradually built up. Um, in the 19th century and in the 20th century and it's all reclaimed land now so uh it's an extraordinary uh place in that sense in that uh, but there are a great many aspects to wood key and in the 19th and 20th century as they did reclaim this land uh they began to build up a very serious market now, there were a lot of aspects to the market in Key. Uh, and in particular, I'm talking this week about the potato market. Uh, again, there were t- just beside where the park is, the small park in Key yeah. today. The <laughs> yeah, there was a crane there, a crane for weighing potatoes. Uh, and also, there was a toll booth because there was a toll on goods coming into the city. Uh, and a lot of the potato market was based there because that's where they could literally weigh <coughs> their, all the potatoes. But a lot of the market was actually up <coughs> alongside the buildings on both sides of the open space that we know as Wood Key today. So I have two photographs <coughs> <excuse> me. <coughs> today. Uh, the first is of the potato market, and it's, it's looking from kind of the first floor of Max Wiggins, if you like. Yeah. Down along Wood Quay on the right-hand side. And uh, it is full of busy, busy people. A contemporary report described it as follows. The women were dressed in characteristic red flannel petticoat of the country, short as regards length, but allowing the whole pair of strong nailed boots to be visible. Their heads were covered with black flannel cloaks and fastened by a rosette. The cloak had a very odd appearance from behind because it covered a basket that was slung from their shoulders. <clears throat> these baskets were about 14 inches in length, 9 or 10 in width, and about 10 in depth. And this was how these women carried their goods to market, whether it was homespun flannels or socks or what butter, eggs, whatever. <clears throat> Many of the men were dressed in frieze tailcoats, knee brinches, stockings, and brogues, and the headpiece being an authentic stovepipe hat. The hats never looked new. That's an interesting comment. (laughs) The shafts of the carts, carts, they were painted bright red, and the body was bright blue. The animal pulling the cart was generally an ass or an ungroomed pony. And the harness was generally made up of rope, supplemented with occasional bits of leather. So the whole scene, when you think of it, must have been remarkable. Very noisy, I would say, and busy. Uh, lots of, as we say, shawls and top hats and ignored you know, bowler as well. Lots of baskets, kishans, creels, the way. The country people brought donkeys and carts carrying their goods into town. A lot of these were potatoes, but a lot of them were vegetables as well. And on the corner where Richard Hughes' opticians is now, on the corner between Air Street and Wood Key, that was where the egg and butter section of the market was held. So that would be a congregation mostly of women, with their baskets of eggs or their baskets of homemade country butter. Something I still miss. I would love some country butter someday again. It was so rich and salty and wonderful. But anyway, that's me reminiscing. Now, down at the other end where the crane was, uh, not only were they weighing potatoes, sacks of potatoes, etc. there, but also... There was quite a serious market there for scallops. And (laughs) what these were were flexible sticks cut from hazel trees. These were very much in demand for thatching houses. And uh, at the time, and the photographs I have, by the way, both date from about 1902, 1903. So most of the buildings in Wood Quay would have been thatched at that stage. An awful lot of them anyway. And obviously, houses in the clad, houses dotted all over the city were still attached. So these scallops were very important and very much in demand. And the other thing that you would find at this section of the market was um, men who used to bring it basket makers. They would make creels or kishons or skips or baskets of all different shapes and sizes. From Willow, and these were all for sale to the public. So it was a very different place. It must have been very lively on market days. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it took quite a bit of cleaning up after all the animals. Yeah. Uh, but it was very colourful as well when you think of it. With uh, and there were various patterned shawls and red petticoats. You know, <clears throat> with the carts painted red and blue. Uh It must have been very lively. But it was also, of course. Extremely important, not just to the local businesses around Wood Quay, because they would certainly do business, but also with the country people who would have come in to sell their goods and wares. And with the money they had, they would then buy items that they couldn't make at home on their little farm. <coughs> so they would buy, for example, tea or sugar, things like that. Uh, so it was a two-way thing, and it was very important, really. Um, but, you know, the <laughs> advance of things like supermarkets <clears throat> began to take its toll. And so in it began to kind of wind down by the 60s, really. Uh, I remember only occasionally. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't often in Wood Quay on a Saturday because I was working. But uh, I remember seeing the stalls, certainly, but... By the 80s, there were only just a handful of these traders, and coming there every week, and eventually, eventually it just petered out. Yeah.
1: The,
0: this yeah. wonderful local tradition gradually faded away. Yes. Now, yes. it was very different to the vegetable market in St Nicholas's, <clears throat> because these were mostly people who came down the river, or they came in from the Headford Road or the Menlo area. <clears throat> Whereas the St. Nicholas's gang would have been largely (coughs) uh, Newcastle, Rahoon, Barna, Fargo, that that area coming in, you know. But they were both very important, not just to the farmers and their wives who came in to sell their goods, but also to the local traders. And happily, the tradition in St. Nicholas's is still with us. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah, particularly this time of year. It's my, I was there last Saturday. It's lovely. Yeah, it is. There's always an atmosphere at Christmas. Yeah. It used to be quite different because um, they would have live turkeys and and you bought, yeah, you bought your turkey. It was a strung up. Um, Yes, on the gates of St. Nicholas. I don't know if that's a photo that has kind of incepted my mind to be a memory, but I do have vague memories of those turkeys across from um, the car park there being strung up. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, They'd be hung up and uh, some of them were live. Some of them were already plucked. uh, (coughs) But it depended. But most people took them home to pluck them themselves. So they carried them in a basket. And obviously the turkeys didn't always want to go. So that meant for kind of lively uh, <coughs> Maybe noises. Maybe <why> and... <laughs> all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's slightly more sedate today, but very different as well in that, uh, obviously, today's market around St. Nicholas's is, is very different Yeah. in that you can buy all kinds of curries and all sorts of yes, exotic things. Yeah, yeah. But just to go back to Wood Key. Okay, yeah. And uh, to Willie Henry. Uh, this is yet another monument in his remarkable. I've no idea how many books he has written uh, locally of local history, but it's an awful lot. And some of them are very, very important. All of them are important. But some of them are, for example, you know, Forgotten Heroes, Galway Soldier of the Great War. <laughs> that kind of thing when he dipped into an area that nobody had gone into before and done the research. And he has done exactly that uh, in this case. He has written books about, you know, uh, the gallows, garrisons, and gutter snipes, as he called it, the black and tan war in Galway, St. Bridget's Terrace. Yeah. You know, Menlo Memories and Folklore, purses, Galway Whiskey. It goes on and on the list. And, He has done a remarkable service to the city of Galway. And I applaud him and his new book. It's profusely illustrated. Uh, I know I'm from Kenny's and I'm giving it a plug, but that's the nature of this beast. I'm sorry. Uh, But it is, it's 30 euro and it's available in all good bookshops. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I must pick up a copy, bring it to Ronnie now. I'm sure he'd like something to read. He's bored out of his mind, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well, you know, a good bookshop, there's a good bookshop in Lisbon. I heard that, I heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so that's me for this week, Ben. Okay, great. And I hope we will have running back Lacuna like J soon. Yes, let's hope so. Okay. Yeah. All right. So until you until next week. Yeah, God bless. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you.